0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Tell Me Something podcast. Uh, Before we get started, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the bottom and give us a five-star review if you're enjoying the show. Uh, And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever it is that you're listening to it. Today on the show, it's just Holly and I. Uh, No guests because we're still in quarantine. So hopefully next week uh, we can get our guests back on the show But for now, it's just her and I and we are talking about our lives in the military and kind of how our journey has gone throughout our 15 and 13 year career in the military and kind of how we got started. So it was pretty fun to talk about and reminiscing on on our military career and our journey. And hopefully you all enjoy it, too. So let's get on to the show.
1: Tell me something podcast. Tell me something podcast. Tell me something podcast.
0: Tell me something podcast. Two,
1: three. It's the tell me something podcast.
0: All right, now we can start. Uh, so we're doing the military thing. <laughs>
1: <coughs> I just choked on water. My bad.
0: That didn't work out too well for you. I know. I don't have any points to talk about. What do you mean? So we're just going to wing it as usual.
1: That's the best ones.
0: Yeah. Where do you want to start off?
1: I don't know. Why you join the military?
0: Why did I join the military? Why did you join the military?
1: You can't ask me a question with a question. Yes, I can. Gotta do your whole thing before we start anyway?
0: Okay. Um...
1: Tell me, something podcast? Tell
0: me something <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's the best intro ever. I like it. I like it's it. Cute. I don't care if anybody else doesn't like it. I love it. You ready? I am. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Tell Me Something podcast. I'm your host, Cruz Robbie Villanueva. And I got my beautiful co host here, Holly Villanueva. Hi. What's up, babes?
1: Well, you know. <laughs> Living the dream.
0: Living the dream is correct. Living the quarantine dream. We're still in quarantine. Yes. Uh, I'm still in quarantine.
1: Just a few more days.
0: Yeah. Um, your quarantine situation is a little bit different, which is weird because we're all it's, in the same house.
1: Yeah, I'm in a pseudo quarantine. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's weird. Everybody in the house is in quarantine except me. So it doesn't really make any sense. But It
0: doesn't make any sense at all.
1: Nothing makes sense.
0: Yeah, but we're just going with uh, what they're telling us to do. So I got a few more days of quarantine and then it's back to reality Mm -hmm. back to life back to reality
1: on that same token um the kids can't go back to school at all next week so i don't know what they're gonna do when you have to go back to work you're gonna have to stay home with them
0: fuck it they're on their own
1: (laughs) no (laughs) because once they start virtual for the week they can't go back into in person once virtual work has been released for the week so they won't be able to go back to school until after Labor Day. So we don't have work on Friday, but I think you're supposed to go back to work on Thursday. But you won't be able to because you'll have to stay with the kids.
0: We'll figure it out. Um. So this this podcast, we decided to go with topic-based again, since it's just us two. No guests because we're on quarantine. So uh, we can't have anybody over. But we got a lot of people in mind, um, and I think pretty soon here... That sounded weird, right? Did. Pretty soon, we're gonna have a lot of podcasts recorded, and we're gonna be backed up. And I'm just gonna want to release them like back to back to back. No, but
1: I'm not gonna let him. Yeah, we'll that's him not wait. gonna be
0: the case. But we have a lot of guests uh, coming in the near future. Uh, in the near future, you're being you're talking with I tonight. Just, uh, I don't know. Maybe I didn't drink enough water, or the monsters got me all jittery. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of guests coming through uh, pretty soon. And uh, it's going to be awesome.
1: Those will be good ones because they're like different perspective um, than what we normally give.
0: They're coming from all walks of life. Yes. It's going to be great. But for today, it's just me and you. Us two. I know. Just the two of us. Why do you keep
1: singing today? I love that fucking
0: song. That's a good song. Yeah. I even love the remix one with uh, Will Smith where he made with his son. Oh, yeah. Well, he made it, but it was, I was for him like, and his son. was like, what do you
1: mean the remix with him? Isn't that his song Yeah, all not the, the remix. <laughs> no, no, it's
0: not. There's an original song who's, of just the two of us.
1: But who's the original singer?
0: Uh, I don't know. And people are going to hate me for this, but I don't know who the original, who sung the original.
1: Hold on, I'm going to be Jamie.
0: But it's really good. But the one that Will Smith made, uh, I probably like that one a lot better because I can connect to the, the father-son thing.
1: Bill Weathers?
0: Bill Weathers.
1: And Grover Washington Jr. Okay. And Will Smith.
0: Shout out to all of them. Will Smith, hit me up. Come get get on the podcast. (laughs) What if?
1: That would be bananas.
0: Yeah. But then he's not like everyday people.
1: But he kind of is. He's kind of normal. Yeah. He's just like really rich and kind of normal.
0: (laughs) He's been a shitload of movies. He's gone platinum from the music he's made
1: yeah just normal, <laughs> yeah
0: everyday stuff <laughs> um, yeah, so going back we kinda of, uh, got off track but uh so today's topic would be uh military life, so everybody that's uh, you always hear the podcast of military members, and usually usually it's like the special ops guys or or the war hero guys are always they've done something spectacular in in the military, right, like you have Jocko who was a former Navy SEAL and and commander, and he's done all this badass shit. Uh, And then the people he's associated with. So it's always like Navy SEALs, Green Berets, all those guys.
1: Like the people you see in movies. Yeah.
0: And then then there's us.
1: (laughs) And there's just the normal military people, but people who aren't in the military I don't think have a good grasp on what the military is besides – just like fighting wars.
0: Most people don't. Uh, so that's
1: why we're here to tell you today. Yeah,
0: but I mean like since the wars have kicked off in the early 2000s and yeah. because of 9-11, people have gotten a lot more insight on what goes on with the military. Okay. Um,
1: but I think it's pretty streamlined to deployments. It's not like the day-to-day like what are the hundreds of thousands of people in the military do day yeah. in and day out? In the United States. Yeah,
0: like the behind the scenes, the mm-hmm. support, all that stuff. Not the guys kicking down the doors because that's what, yeah. where most of the books come from or most of um, like the, the movies come from, and it's, yes. you see those guys. Um, but then there's us, so we work Intel. Um, I think the closest you can get to us in a movie is the, the Bin Laden raid.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I'm talking about? Zero Dark Thirty? Yes, Zero Dark Thirty. So all the boring parts of the movie. Yeah, like the
1: whole hour and a half where you're like, what is she doing? (laughs) Like, that's what we do all the time. Like,
0: this is boring. She's sitting at a computer. They're putting pictures together. What is going on? Uh, Yeah, that's kind of some of the stuff that we do, right? Not the interrogations part, although there are some people that get involved with that stuff. But on the day-to-day, we're doing just the boring Monotonous
1: work of. And there are some people who love it. Like. Yeah. Yeah. But before we get into like what our job is, we're going to take you through our journey of getting to where we are today. Yeah. And then we'll kind of along the way tell you the jobs we've had and how. What we do in the military. Yeah. So.
0: We can start off with you.
1: With me. Oh no, yeah. you joined before me. Okay, I we see. can start off with me that time.
0: Ladies first, remember?
1: Yeah. So rewind in history way back when it was a dark cloudy day no I'm just kidding (laughs) um yeah so I graduated from high school in May of 2007 um but from so taking it back even further than that from 2007 um my 11th grade year in high school so my junior year we were mandated to take the ASVAB which is kind of weird because that's not a thing yeah, I didn't think it was a thing. And now that I'm in the military, like I still don't understand how that's a thing. But we, no joke, were like made to take it. We couldn't skip out on it. So I took the ASVAB. Um, the first question on the test, um, and if you've ever taken the ASVAB, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, but it's like five gears. And it's like, if this gear turns this way and this gear turns this way, which way will this gear turn? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I was like, mm, Fuck this! And so I just like turned my paper sideways and like wrote my name with bubble letters <laughs> and like was making Christmas trees, and then you get to so the is broken up into four parts, and that's essentially just a test to see what you can do and like what job you can get in the military. Um, so it's broken down into general, which is just like regular everyday questions, admin, which is like can you do office stuff, um, electrical, yeah which is shit I didn't read. So I don't know what's on there. And then mechanical, mechanical, which is also shit I didn't read. So I don't know what's on there.
0: So that's probably where the gears question fell in.
1: Yeah. So I get my ASVAB scores back and it was across the board in like the 80s and the 90s. And I realized like, as I was going through my junior year into my senior year of high school, like if I didn't get out of Smithville, Tennessee, like I wasn't going anywhere with my life. Um, and even if I stayed there and went to college, which I had scholarships to go to Vanderbilt, um, even if I stayed and went to college, um, I wasn't going to get out. Like I was just going to be stuck. And I have a lot of friends who are there and they're making good out of their life, but it kind of seems like even though they're doing good, they're just stuck. Like they can't get out of that small town. Um, and I didn't want that. So I decided I was going to sign up for the air force, uh, parents, hundred percent not on board, um, No one in my family's in the military. So my dad's sister's ex-husband, like if you follow. So my old uncle-ish question mark, uh, he was in the air force and just became like this massive alcoholic. He was like maintenance, just like on the flight line, getting off work, pounding beers. And like, that's what my dad thought of the whole air force. So he was like, absolutely not. And I'm like, "Mm, you don't really have a choice. Like I'm going. (laughs) So, um for those of you who don't know my mom and I have the same birthday and so I told her like if you don't sign for me to join while I'm 17 I'm gonna go sign on your birthday and leave and she was like all up in arms about it and so that was like really low and shady on my part but she signed the dotted line so I could go. It's
0: more like a warning like hey this is gonna happen it it just depends on whether it's gonna happen now or.
1: So I ended up leaving for basic training on August 22nd uh, and my birthday's August 24th so it was like two days before my 18th birthday uh, and I turned 18 and zero week of basic training, which was miserable. Get the fuck up. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, Yeah. So joined the air force and I didn't know what to expect because I had no like experience of the military. I had no one to talk to. I met like a good friend. I'm still friends with him on Facebook. Um, His name's Jeremy. He was in depth with me and he went to basic training and he was sending me like letters. He was like, Hey, like, this is weird. You're not going to poop for the whole first week. Like <laughs> just eat all the food you can just sh- keep chewing while they're yelling at you. Like just turn off your brain at child. Like he kind of gave me tips, like know the airman's creed, know your chain of command. Um, So when I got there, I was kind of prepared cause I was getting like insider knowledge from yeah. basic training.
0: <laughs> that, that not pooping for a week shit is real. <laughs> like I yeah. didn't understand it and I didn't, At first, I didn't think about it until somebody mentioned it. They asked me. It was my bunkmate. He was like, hey, have you taken a shit yet? (laughs) It's like, no, I haven't. (laughs) I haven't taken a shit. And uh, it it turns out it's all because of all the stress that you're going through. Your body just kind of like shuts down. It doesn't have time Mm -hmm. to poop or whatever. Um, And then, of course, all the medication, whatever they inject us with. And then it just
1: just, hits everybody at once. And you like blow the toilet. And everybody
0: like within the same time frame, whether it's the same day or the same hour, Everybody just hits a toilet at the same time. It, it was weird.
1: Yeah, it was. It's bad, but you just get through these stages of like, of basic training. So you know, I was like a seventeen-year-old. I thought I was a badass. Like, no one's gonna get in my face and yell at me, and like all the things that you hear people are gonna say. Like, I wish a drill sergeant. Yeah, like okay, like. Yeah. And so as when soon you as see my some ti. Some of them are like
0: fucking seven foot tall. Yeah, and just will as crush you. as soon
1: as my ti started yelling at me. I just, like, my whole person just shut down. I was just standing there, like, stock still, at attention, like, nothing. Um, but, yeah, so I went in, and I had no idea what to expect. Um, I mean, my dad was crazy as hell, so I was used to being yelled at, like, all the time. Like, that wasn't a big deal. It was just that it was a stranger doing it, someone I didn't know. Um, so, anyways, went to the Air Force, had no idea what to expect. Um, and I had, a like, a long journey through MEPS. So, when I went to MEPS my signed contract was, was that I would be a loadmaster. Uh, I was really good at math. I did the math test. Um, and then I had to go through a flight physical. So when I went through a flight physical, I'm super blind. And they were like, they gave me a test that the Air Force didn't accept. So it was like a, a walk up test. So they held a card and they walked to you. And you had to tell them when you could see what was on the card. But they had to be, like, really close to me. But the Air Force didn't accept that test, so my flight physical was voided. So they are like, you got to pick a different job. Well, I was at MEPS already, and I was like, all right, what does that mean? They're like, so you can't ship today because you had a flight job. Like, there's all this different flight stuff. So I was like, okay. So I ended up getting a job for cardiopulmonary assistant, which is, like, doing EKGs and, like
0: – Shit with the heart and lungs, The right?
1: Yeah, the oxygen test, like sp- – spirometer test all these things and I was like awesome like I wanted to do medical so I was sold on it so I left and they're like you can ship out next week because we shipped out on Mondays from MEPS to basic training for whatever reason so um get there and that same day someone had disqualified from MIPs for a failed drug test and they keep all your records Computerized, but all your hard copy records that they send with you to basic training get shredded because you can't go. Um, But somehow inadvertently my records were the ones that got shredded instead of the person who got disqualified for the drug test. So I show up and again, I don't have a job. So I'm like, (laughs) I knew at that point just because of like who I am as a person, if I didn't leave that day, I would like talk myself out of it. I'd be like, this isn't meant to be like two times, like whatever. Um, And so I was like, I'll take any job that you have. So they showed me like all these, and I kind of think sometimes it was inadvertent because they try to get you in like the, the job that your ASVAB score for. So they tried to get me to be a linguist. um, But being from Tennessee, like my accent's bad now, but imagine what it was like 13 years ago. (laughs) Um, So I was like, I don't want to learn another language. Um so they showed me like my job which is intel analyst uh like operations analyst or whatever all source. So I read it and it pretty much says like you're going to be James Bond shoot missiles out of cars. You'll be a full-blown badass and That's I was what like I, got out of it. I was like hell yeah like sign me up for that one. Um, so I went to I went to basic training, no I was going to be an intel analyst. And I get to basic training and you're in a flight or, like, in a group of people, like all girls, and I think there was like 40 of us. Um, and like 20 of us were intel, so I was like, What oh, the shit. hell? Like, how are there so many of us that are the same job? So, there's different aspects of intel, um, but all of us were intel nonetheless, and then. So we go through six weeks of basic training, and then from there, we have to go to Goodfellow, which is where we're stationed at now, um, to go through six and a half months of training. So I go through all this training. Um, I get made fun of because you have to stand up and talk in front of people, and they can't understand what I'm saying because my accent's so strong. Um, So I mean, I would be in the schoolhouse for hours just trying to say words like without a Southern accent on them. And I would say even now to this day, and this is a horrible tactic. So if you're new to Intel and you're listening to this, please don't like, like just scroll past this part. But um, I hate practicing briefings. Like I want to know what's on my, like what I'm going to talk about. And then I don't want to like see it again until I'm presenting it. Um, so having to go through and like practice the words I was going to say to make sure what was happening. Um, that was a real struggle for me. So From there, uh, I went through school, graduated, and I got stationed in Las Vegas for my first duty station. Hell yeah. So I was an 18-year-old, like, no idea what to do with my hands. I had no idea how to be a grown-up. And I'm going to Sin City, right? Like, what can I do in Las Vegas um, along the way? So go to Las Vegas. um, And yeah, it was just... I mean, Las Vegas, so Las Vegas is fun. it was fun. it was fun for a while um I got burnt out pretty quick on las, like on the las Vegas strip um and then you find like all the little local nuances like the little the little hangouts and the the bars once I turned twenty one and all the things and
0: yeah, the local bars and the station casinos were yeah were better than the strip once when if when you live there.
1: But yeah, so it was awesome. Like, I love my job. And that's one thing that I think people don't really, like, realize with with people in the military is it's just a job. Like, we just, we go to work and then we get off work and we get to be real people. Um, but yeah, so you just, you're held to different standards all the time. And you have to, like, constantly be thinking, if someone sees me. Like, what I'm portraying is what that person's going to think the whole Air Force is. Yeah. So, you're kind of held to a different standard. You have to do all these, like, extra nuanced things. But um, I enjoyed my time there. I worked with RPAs, UAVs, UASs. Whatever you want to call them. (laughs) Not drones. That's that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when people are like, they're all drones. And I'm like, "Mm, no, drones have no person in control over them. Every platform that the Air Force flies, like, there is a pilot in the seat. Whether it's in Afghanistan and the pilot's sitting in Las Vegas, like, there is a person in control of that plane. Um, So, I really, like, that just is one of the things that irks me is when people call them drones. But, yeah, so, um, went from Las Vegas. That's where we met. We got married. um, And then went from Las Vegas to back to San Antonio Uh, and then you were the drill instructor you were doing the yelling Um, and so uh, one thing about intel is that no matter what base we go to we're constantly going to be changing the jobs we do and how we interact so the job I did in Las Vegas I was part of the air crew kind of question mark um I was part of the air crew but I didn't count as part of the air crew so uh just took all the information that was available and put it together and then analyzed that information to like try to figure out what we were looking at, what we were looking for. Uh, and that's all the boring stuff. And then I went to San Antonio to Lackland um, to an even more boring job <laughs> where my whole job was to protect the air force from the inside out as the best way I know how to say that. So it's, Literally listening to phone calls from people in the Air Force to each other and then listening to or reading emails from people in the Air Force to each other um, to make sure that they're not doing or saying anything that would hurt the Air Force um, from a classified perspective. Uh, and that was your whole first career. So you'll talk about that when we talk about you. But um, yeah, that was sick, baby. That was a miserable four years. Like I hated that job. And I pushed a lot for why don't we spread this out and allow it to be um, like an additional duty? Like, sorry, you have your analysis this week. And that's where you go, like, watch people do drug tests. Um, Like, maybe that's this week. And then next week, like, sorry, you got OPSEC. Like, peace out, Cub Scout. That's the worst job ever. (laughs) Um, But no, so they got rid of the entire career. The Air Force got rid of the entire career field because it didn't make sense that we had it. And then they made my career field do it, which was not what we signed up to be doing. We signed up to be being James Bond. And what we ended up doing was reading emails. (laughs) Um, And then from there, we went to Florida. That job was... We had pretty okay jobs there. Um, I did it. You did. <laughs> you had, like, good TDYs and stuff out of your the job. The TDYs though.
0: were awesome, but...
1: Yeah, so... Uh, and
0: the TDYs just, like, uh, like a business trip on the civilian side. Yeah.
1: So, so I went... Um, I worked with Special Forces there, so that was fun. Uh I never... I will say one thing about working with Special Forces for... M- Like my job in particular is um, people either like buy into it wholeheartedly, like, hey, I'm special forces, or they like push back to like, this is not, your job is not special forces, you are support to special forces. Um, People have a hard time. I'm definitely the latter in that. So we would get a lot of people straight from basic training, like they would go to basic training, they would go to tech school here at Goodfellow where they learn their job. And then they would go to their first base. And if their first base is special forces, they think that's what the air force is. And it's like, it's like a, a facet of the air force. That's not real. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how I try to explain it to people is the job is awesome and it's cool. And you get a lot of experience, but you're never going to like do this again. So you'd have these people who are like, well, if I have to go anywhere else, I'm getting out of the air force. And I'm like, cool. Do you remember when you signed that dotted line? And you said, I'm joining the air force. Like it didn't say I'm joining the air force if I can be in special forces. So sorry about your luck, but you're going to be here for a while. not doing special forces stuff. Um, but yeah, so from there I deployed to Afghanistan. That was, that was a really good experience for me. I got a lot of experience. I got put in some positions that I never wanted to find myself in Um some real, and I won't say it's James Bond stuff, but I did get like in the, like people's lives are sitting in your hand. So you better make the right call. And those are, those are hard positions to be in a lot of time sitting in an office, reading stuff, trying to put all the pieces of a puzzle together when you don't have all the pieces to the puzzle and just make the best call on looking at a puzzle with half the pieces missing, trying to figure out what the picture is going to be. Um, Analysis. So it was, that was good. Uh, it, man that was a stressful a stressful five months of life um so yeah and I think we talked about it a little bit but I think that's where people get mixed up with the with the military in general is their idea of the military is a deployment like you're you're living in these yeah. tents in the desert and people are shooting at you and you're shooting back and and um, if you're
0: not deployed, you're back home, like, training yeah, day like, in and day out. Like, getting
1: ready. But, no, yeah. it's, like, we have jobs just like everyone does. So, the way I try to explain it and to, um, to, like, civilians is try to set it up like a high school. So, it's, like, okay, if we're deployed and we're just go, 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 think of that like – the school year, where we're just like, go, 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 and then summer break, like, teachers still have to do stuff during, like, they get a break, but they're still training, and they're getting their classroom set up, and they're getting ready for the next thing, um, so they're still working, and that might be a bad example, because they get the summers off, but um, it's kind of like that, so like a student in-service day, where the students don't come to school, but the teachers are there, that's us on the normal day-to-day, where we're just there, doing the the behind-the-scenes work um, to support the guys who are deployed um, to get the mission done. So anyways, got my deployment to Afghanistan. Got a drink of Guinness in Ireland. That was pretty bad, eh? Um, And then from there, came here, came back to San Angelo, where it all started. So back to the training environment where I learned how to do my job. I'm now going to be the person who teaches people how to do their job. And um, it's nice to see how that comes full circle, but it's also a struggle sometimes because you get people who they want the full blown analyst. They want somebody who has experience and you're like, dude, like they just were a high school senior two days ago. And like you have, they have to go through this training and they're not going to be top of the line. So I struggle a lot with that. i trying to explain to people like you have to, Curb your expect- your expectations to what yeah. these people can handle.
0: Because they just throw anybody in these. Well, not any anybody, but they don't like bother and go like, Hey, do you have any background or experience in this job that we're doing? Yeah. The expectation is you come in here and we're gonna train you and equip you with everything that you need to know and what you need to do the job. It's uh, no experience needed, really. Like there's no. You don't need a bachelor's degree. You don't need two years of this kind of experience. It's just you graduate a basic military training, come here, and we got you.
1: Yeah. And then we just have to train you up. And the the basis of technical training, or if you're familiar with, like, Army, it would be AIT. I don't know what it's called for Marines. Maybe the same thing. Or maybe Yeah, I'm not sure. But essentially it's, like, the the training on how to do your job. And so since our job in in all source intelligence is so vast, we just have to, in six and a half months, throw a little bit of everything at you and hope you retain a quarter of that because the other three quarters of what we're teaching you, you're not going to need for your first job. Yeah. So like if we go back to what I said earlier, every base we go to, we're going to do a different job. So at every one of those bases, we go to an additional training, which is called a formal training um intelligence formal training unit and that unit is solely focused on training you for the mission that you're gonna support. Um yeah,
0: yeah so there's a lot more training that goes into uh after what happens here. This is just like the foundation the yeah. foundation of skill set that you need so when you go to your next unit, whatever the mission is, they train you up on that specific mission and, and whatever you're doing. So there. we're the
1: we're essentially the gen ed to your bachelor's degree. Yeah. Like we're giving you the basic general knowledge that you mm-hmm. need. And then each place you go, you'll get those specific, specific classes that you need to be successful in where you're going. You just keep building on that. But then we get into the thing where you have somebody who can talk in front of somebody. Cause that's our job is public speaking. We have a lot of struggles with that. Our job is to talk in front of people and to give them information so that they can go out and kick in doors and fly planes and, make informed decisions. Um, But then you get people who can talk in front of people, but don't know how to teach. And there's a huge difference in that. There's a huge difference in being able to public speak and being able to teach someone information. Um, And I think when we get people back here to be instructors, they're not, we don't have criteria really for that either that says you need to have some kind of training under your belt or know how to instruct and then again, we send you to training but, to but learn how to do that. But there's still
0: an application process, so that's where it's yeah. different. They, they still consider who, they're, who we're bringing in. Yeah. Um, so there's a little bit of a barrier. As opposed to uh, everybody coming from basic military training to get trained up on this job.
1: Yeah. And then sometimes people don't make it. And I think that's like one of those hush-hush things that the military doesn't talk about. It's like you sign up for this job but that doesn't mean that you're going to make it through training. Yeah. And so our training is a hundred percent in the classroom. Like you're not out freaking climbing walls and fast roping out of helicopters. Like you're no shit for six months sitting in a classroom with no windows, like doing, doing work, um, grinding through it. And sometimes people just can't take that level of stress, um, where they're getting asked questions and they don't know the answers and they have to public speak almost every day. And, they have to put this stuff together with little to no time. Yeah. Um and and people really struggle with that and we just have to tell them, you know, like you're you're a good asset to the Air Force, you're just not good for this job.
0: Yeah, and people will wash out and uh like civilians don't really expect that when when you talk about our kind of training or even in some other fields like admin or finance or um services whatever it is and people wash out out of every career field um at some of the highest washout rates uh that the air force has um they're not what you think like it'd be special operations so combat controllers and and uh pjs uh tac p's like all those guys like yeah they have a high washout rate but they're not the only ones with a high washout rate yeah. like uh Brian Belford, when we were talking, yeah, the air traffic control school, the washout rate rate was completely high. Like from the initial school, it it was high, and then it just got higher with each, uh, like the first base that you went to, because you still had to to qualify there, yeah. and it, it was nuts. Uh, also, linguists they have a pretty high washout rate when they go to. But you
1: know what, Monterey, and, and we get like we can digress on this, but. With linguists, the thing that just blows my mind is they're in training for over a year. So like a year plus to learn a language. And they have to learn how to read, write, speak, translate, um, all the things. And there are people who know the entire language. Like they can speak it, they can read it, they can write it. But at the end, you have to take a test. And if you fail that test then you can't go on <laughs> to do that career field. It's, so it's there are people who are just like, they're fluent in this language, but they can't pass the test. And so they go do a different job and it's like, maybe we could, I don't know if refine that process is the right word, but it's like, we just spent a year training this person. And then at the very end, like the last box to check, they're like, mm, go do something else.
0: Yeah. But
1: I know it's part okay. of it, but you talk to linguists and I would say like at least half of the linguists I've talked to don't even use their language. Yeah. So it's like, that's true. Like where's the, where does the line get drawn where it's like, we're not in this country now for you to use that language. We're not at war with that country. So you're going to go learn something else as soon as you get out of here.
0: Yeah. They'll get put in uh, regular Intel spots.
1: Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, definitely, that's a... Like, I know linguists who have no joke used their skills. Like, gone to countries, done treaty agreements, like, translated all the things. But I also know people who is like, I've never used my language skills.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I definitely had a different route than what you had.
1: Yes. (laughs) Because mine was pretty streamlined. Like, I... I knew going to basic training what my job was going to be, and that's what I've done for, for 13 years. I had, and
0: I had a guaranteed job going into basic training, but...
1: But it changed along your route.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, five years in, the job changed without me requesting or trying to change the job.
1: So, go through your story before you jump to your retrain.
0: Yeah. So, I was one of the guys that was like, I'm never going to join the military. That's stupid. Like, only people that don't have a future join the military, right? Like, that was a mindset that was uh, that I had, and that's kind of what was drilled into me. <laughs> uh, although Chewie had joined the military in, in, he joined the Navy in 96 or 97 or something like that. Um, so my brother, he went, my brother was in the military, and my dad was uh, in the Army for three years back in, like, 73 or something like that. And I don't know much of his experience. He didn't talk about it that much. I just know he went to Germany and came back. He he dealt with missiles. That's about it. Um, but he hasn't told me any stories. Uh, Chewie has told me some few stories about the Navy. And that's crazy. I'm going to get him on the podcast soon. But anyways, so I started out uh, graduating high school. I was like, yeah, I would never join the military. I went to Soros uh, to play football. That didn't work out. Uh, I ended up dropping out. I got kicked out, uh, put on academic suspension. I left with a 1.8 GPA. Um, so then after that, I started going to community college and I started working and I was like, this is only temporary. I'll, uh, I'll get my grades back up. I'll go to UTEP. So university of Texas at El Paso, and, uh, I'll walk onto the football t- team there and I'll go back to playing football and, and graduate and then life will be great. Right. Big time wrong. Um, So I did go to community college, I did get my grades up, but I never transferred to UTEP. I did the community college thing and working for about a year. And throughout that year, I was still working out a lot. Uh, So I was in shape um, and I was going to community college and making good grades. But on the other side, I was just partying a lot. Just party, 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 that's where all my money would go to, I was hanging out with the wrong people. I was making stupid decisions for whatever reason. I was still in good shape and I still kept good grades. But everything else was falling off. Um on top of that, that's when I started making music and I was like, Oh man, this could be uh, a way I could go. Um But so summer of two thousand four, um that's when I realized I was like, fuck, man, I'm not doing what I w- thought I was going to do and go transfer Utah and play football. I'm just drinking all the time. Uh, I'm around people that are like just doing drugs, selling drugs. I was like, something needs to change. So that's when it hit me like, I need to join the military. Like, Chewie was in the Navy and it worked out great for him. He's doing good things. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So, automatically, I was like, I'm going to join the Army. That's what, like, that's what I'm built for, right? My dad was in the Army. Like, uh, I was a jock in high school, and so that's what jocks do, join the Army and, and go fight, right? And uh, uh, I didn't tell anybody. I was just, besides my friend. But then Chewie got wind of it. He's like, hey, I heard you wanted to join the military, and you're going to join the Army. He's like, why do you want to join the Army? I said, ah, I just, you know, it's uh, it's an itch that I need to scratch, and, you know, and I'll get in the fight with the Army. He's like, all right, cool, man. I'll, I'll go take you to take your ASVAB because he was a Navy recruiter at the time. So I went to go take my ASVAB. I was in and out in 20 minutes. Yeah, and he's like, what the fuck, man? Like, you already finished? I was like, yeah. I didn't give a shit. I just went in there, and I was, I was skimming through questions, and I was just pretty much Christmas treeing the shit out of that test, and I ended up scoring a 64 was my ASVAB score overall. And he's like, all right, man. Like you did, okay. Like pretty good for, especially just being in there for twenty minutes and then getting out. He's like, all right. So when I got my ASVAB score, um, I had a list of jobs that I could get. Um, I was like, cool
1: for the army.
0: Yeah, yeah. For for or it gave you all the services. Oh. And so it had all the services, and the list was fucking huge. I was like, all right, this is awesome. And uh, I went to go talk to an army recruiter. And I was gonna go infantryman. It's like, Aww. hey, this is what I wanna do, I wanna fight. He's he's like, All right, eleven Bravo, that's what's up. And then uh man, they were pressing to get me in there. And then I talked to Chewy some more. He's like, Hey, before you sign anything, before you do anything, let's go uh let's go talk to the Air Force recruiter. I was like, Nah man, I'm just gonna join the army, I'm gonna go fight, it's gonna it's gonna be awesome. He's like let's just go talk to us, see what they have to say. If you don't like it, then you can go I'll Like I'll take you to go sign all the contracts and help you up, help you out. I was like, okay. So I went over to the recruiter, uh, to the Air Force recruiter. And we were talking to him and uh, um, Intel was one of the things that he's, he's like, Hey, you could do this Intel. And just like you said, he was reading the job description. I was like, are you saying I can be James Bond? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> I was like, bro, you got me. It's like, I'm sold. Let's do this. Yeah. So then after that, I signed up with the recruiter, but I was in debt also. So delayed entry program for six months. So July, that happened in July. Um, I waited. I kept on working, and I waited all the way until um, January before I actually left for basic trading. But during that time, you had to keep on going back and forth between mm-hmm. – um, your recruiter and MEPS and MEPS is a, uh what's it called? Military entrance program service or something like that. Yeah, but that's processing you, service. A processing thing. service. So that's where you go and you get all your paperwork done, you get your uh your doctors visits, they test you, um you do all sorts of shit. And so when I started going back and forth and they were doing all the tests, it turns out I'm officially colorblind. So <laughs> I'm colorblind, my depth perception sucks, and my hearing was really bad. Like, not to normal standards. Everybody's
1: hearing is bad on that test, though. I swear, that test is the worst. Military (laughs) shout-out. Come up with a new damn test.
0: Yeah, so my shit, like, I was just fucked, right? And the entire time I was like, what? Like, I'm good. I can see red. I can see green. Um, But I guess by military standards... Did you do the dot test? Yeah.
1: Um, Where it's like, tell me the numbers and the dots? Yeah,
0: and there are some numbers that I can't see within those dots, but... What the fuck ever, right? <laughs> um, so I came back from all those tests and, and I got the results back. And then after that happened, my job list that was filled fell down to uh, four jobs. By then I had already picked the Air Force. Like I'm going to Air Force. So the job list that was, that was filled up with uh, for the Air Force side dropped down to four jobs. And one of them was uh, um, the ISA job, so the OPSEC job, which fell under Intel, the other one was cardiopulmonary assistant which is weird uh but i didn't want nothing to do with medical and then one of them was services i think and i can't remember what the fourth one was yeah but it, uh but i remembered i was like my recruiter was telling me this intel job was i was going to be fucking james bond so yeah. that's what i want give me that i'll take intel uh my asvab scores were good enough for it so i was like oh i guess you know i'm a smart guy whatever um So I went with that one, and uh, I kept on bugging my recruiter because I was in the delayed entry program. I was like, hey, man, just give me the earliest date to basic. Like, I want to leave as soon as possible. And then uh, my brother, Chewy, had told me, he's like, make sure you get a guaranteed job before you leave because if you leave and you get to basic training, they'll give you whatever job comes first, whatever the Air Force wants you to do. So make sure you signed a guaranteed job. So, uh, along the way, my recruiter, he's like, "Hey, I got this date for you," and I was like, "Am I gonna get Intel?" He's like, "Well, uh, there's no openings yet, so you'll just go and and maybe you'll get it when when you get there." It's like, "Nah." So that pushed me back like a month or two. Um, yeah. uh, if not, I would have been fucking uh, one of the other three jobs that I could have gotten. Uh, probably services. <laughs> but I left to basic in January and basic like that was my first taste of military. I really didn't know what to expect. Everybody does uh um, let's watch full metal jacket. It's that opening I never watched scene that movie until
1: like two years ago.
0: Yeah. It, it's fucking great. Right. Like that, that opening scene is the best. And so everybody watches that before they go to basic. And so some of them have the expectation, the ones that don't know anything about the military. And that was me. Um, Chewy and my dad never gave me too much information about it. Um, But that was me. (laughs) Like I watched uh, Full Metal Jacket. I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be crazy. And it never got to that extent. Like I never got punched or kicked. I got cussed at and yelled at a lot. But um, that was no big deal. Uh, So I went to basic, did my six weeks. And it wasn't too bad. Like the hardest part about basic training for me, uh, for everybody, it's different. uh, But for me was – you had you had to wake up early, like really really early, we were waking up at four forty five i I'd never done that before in the past um every day, every single day um and then you're you're going to bed at like ten at night yeah so it, and then sometimes you had to do uh what are called e c shifts so entry controller shifts, and that's just like uh, guarding the door, yeah guarding the door or night guard so and they were in hour hour and a half shift so sometimes you had to do that so you get your sleep cut Um, so that was one of the hardest parts and then not being able to eat whenever you wanted that really sucked for me like you're, you're used to snacking or just you know you get bored you go to the fridge and look for something or you go you're gonna go watch tv or whatever so that was really hard not eating whenever i wanted and not being able to sleep as much as i wanted um, or at least longer cause yeah. we weren't getting much sleep. Those were the two hardest parts of basic. Um,
1: yeah. When my family came to pick me up from basic, like every minute that I wasn't actively doing something, I was asleep. Yeah. Like in the car, sleep, mm-hmm. In the hotel. I, they were like, what do you want to do? Sleep. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't care what you guys do. Take me to a bed. Like, don't talk to me for a couple hours. Yeah. Uh, I slept so much that weekend.
0: Yeah, and I'm already prone to, back then I was already prone to falling asleep in the car anywhere we went. Uh, And after that, it was like, in a second, as soon as I sat in the car, just, (laughs) I knocked out. Uh, We went to the hotel, I knocked out. It was the same thing. Everywhere we went, I was just passing out. Um, But yeah, Basic was badass because that was my introduction to the military and I fucking loved it. I loved it because it was everything that I was looking for. It was like being on the football team But getting paid for it yeah and without i guess hitting but like it was everything i I expected um and our flight did really well like we won a bunch of awards um as a flight which was really fucking cool and i didn't realize like how uh how big of a deal it was until i went back as an instructor to basic training i was like Oh shit! We were badass because we got all these awards in one, in one flight, Um, and I, and I fit in, fucking perfectly. Like it was all me. Like basic training, and when I got there, it was me. The first night was fucked up because so we got there late at night and they're doing all all the yelling, introducing you, running through, running you through um, the wall lockers and then the showers and just constant yelling until you finally fall asleep Uh, the next morning. (laughs) I, I was just shocked. Like I didn't know. I didn't know where the fuck I was. I just, I just remember the door banging, and then it swings open, and then there's yelling, and I slowly get up and I'm like, and I'm looking around. i was like, where the fuck am I? What the fuck is happening? And then I just hear my instructor, "What the fuck are you doing? Get the fuck out of it!" Because <laughs> I was just sitting up in bed trying to like uh, gather myself. And then after, but after that, it was, it was money. Like I was on point everywhere.
1: So God, I had like totally forgot this until you just said that, but there was a mix up in my planes getting to San Antonio. So everybody gets the basic training on Wednesday night. Is that right?
0: Uh, Tuesday night.
1: Tuesday night. So I don't know what happened, but I didn't get there until Wednesday night. So everybody was there They, like, knew the routine. They knew how to, like, get up, get all their shit together, like, brush their teeth in three seconds and, like, line up by the wall um, for PT or whatever we had to do in the morning. I had no idea what was going on because when I got there, everybody was already in bed. So they were, like, go in there. This is your bunk. Go to sleep. And I was on top bunk, so I'm, like, trying to be really quiet. I, like, go to sleep. And then the next morning... Like everybody gets up and they're all doing stuff. And I was like, somebody, like anybody, all 40 of you guys, like, help a sister out. Like, what do I do? <laughs> and they're like, shut up. Like, just follow people. And so we're like in the bathroom. Everyone's like, like, two swipes of the toothbrush. Yeah. Sw- like, throw some toothpaste in your mouth and bounce. Like, yeah. so we're all lined up. And I just had no idea what I was doing. It was. God, yeah it was a mess yeah. but you slowly just get into the routine where like people are yelling and you're like okay like whenever you're done that would be great and yeah. then you just go on about your day
0: the so it was weird because i was really good at everything in basic training like everything that basic training entails i was really good at good at and that's because of my mom uh yeah. like she was worse than any drill instructor could ever be like in basic training uh they launch your wall lockers or, or your clothing drawers. They flip over beds. They make a mess. They get in your face. They're yelling at you, spits flying on your face. Like that was nothing. I grew up with that shit (laughs) on top of like swinging. So my mom was like, she was hitting us, right? She was spanking us and, and and slap us every once in a while. So I was like, this is nothing there. Only once did I come close to my drill instructor, uh, hitting me. And, uh, but well, I'll, I'll tell that story in a minute. But like, yeah, so when it came to making a bed, me and my bunkmates were the best and the fastest of making it. And I could make it super tight. My clothing drawer was on point. It was like picture perfect. perfect. It was, and I found all that stuff easy. Marching, the marching I was really good at. I got put in the front. I was a guide on bearer um, to the point where they started bringing guide on bearers from other squadrons to challenge me. Yeah. And I kept on winning. And I was just, I was just really good at it. And people would tell me like, "Hey, dude, like it's impressive how you do all that shit." <clears throat> and I thought people were blowing smoke up my ass, but <clears throat> it, I was really good. I saw myself on the video. I was like, "Oh shit, that does look really good." <laughs> and uh, my marching was on point, but like uh, with the physical stuff, like that stuff comes natural to me. Uh, but the stuff in the dorms, like I caught on quick, and that's because uh, my mom was always like everything's got to be perfect like even at home when you when you put your socks or you fold your clothes and put them in the drawer like it's got to be nice The when you dust like dust was a big thing with her um it's got to be nice and clean make sure you move stuff and dust don't just dust around it and all that stuff so and that's how i was in basic training it came easy to me because i grew up doing all of that and uh
1: so when you got picked to be guide on bear that's the person that holds the flag in the front of the flight Um, when you got picked, did you get picked like off the get or did you have another job and then you transferred to guide on bear?
0: No. Uh, so I got picked within the first week and I was about maybe like the fifth, fourth or fifth person that they put up front that it finally stuck. Um, yeah. So our, our instructor kept on kicking people out, kicking people out. And then, um, somewhere along the way, he was like, you get in front. And after I got in front, I just I kept the job. And yeah. I it turned out being really good. And, like, I wasn't too basic. I was really strong because, yeah. uh, like I told you, I was working out a lot thinking that I was going to play football. Um, so I was in shape. I was really fucking strong. Um, so the guide on, the, the staff that you hold, was easy for me to fling around, like, yeah. no problem. Um, but when I got that position, it was just because I don't know if, well, I'll say like from my experience, he saw me the way I marched and I was doing good drill movements uh, from what we'd learned up to that point. So he noticed that and the other guys, I guess, just fucking sucked. And then when I got there, it was just like, hey, this fits. This is where you belong.
1: We had people who like couldn't walk and swing their arms, right?
0: It, it's, and I'm
1: like, like you never learned how to walk <laughs> in 18 years. You're barely learning how to move your arms with your body.
0: Well, it's crazy because yeah, some people will, They'll overthink it, and then they're just stressed out to the max in yeah. in, in that position. And uh, so when you tell them to march, like, all it is is a structured walk, the yeah. way we call it. Like, you just get rigid, that's it, and then you close your hands, and you don't bend your elbows, Yeah. and you just walk. Um, but some people, they overthink it, and they end Their up— Their arms stay straight. Yeah, they <laughs> either stay straight down, or, like, when you step with your left foot— when you like walk normal, same, arm, same leg, move. your opposite arm swings forward, right? Well, they'll do what's called a four by four and they'll move their left arm with their left foot. And it looks like their arm is pulling their legs. <laughs> uh, so it's weird. It's just, but I mean, people are under a lot of stress. so crazy shit happens. Um, and that's some of it.
1: So the reason I asked about the, the job is because my recruiter and my friend, Jeremy, who was in basic training was like, Hey, when you get here, because naturally like, I don't know, this is going to sound bad when I say it, but naturally, like, I want control over things that I'm a part of. Um, so I'm just kind of a natural person who, like, falls into leadership roles, like, takes control over situations. But they were like, whatever you do, don't do that when you get to basic training, or they're going to make you be dorm chief, um, which is pretty yeah. much the person in charge of all the people in the dorm when your drill instructor isn't there or your TI.
0: If you're a good manager, you'll be a perfect dorm chief.
1: Yeah. So my recruiter was like, you don't want that responsibility. You're going to be stressed out all the time. Like you just want to fly under the radar. So he's like, when you first get there, they're going to put you in this room. You're going to have to sit on the floor. You're not allowed to sit on the furniture, which I thought was really demeaning, but that's besides the point. So we're all like sitting in the floor and he's just asking these questions. Like who's good at time management? Who's good at um, attention to detail. And my, my, recruiter had drilled in me like do not say you're good at anything. Like you just sit there and you don't raise your hand for anything. So in basic training you get these jobs that are assigned to you to pretty much keep everything. Like somebody cleans the chrome, like the the water fountains and the little like metal plates on the floor and somebody makes sure beds are straight and beds are made good and shoes are straight and the bathroom is clean. All these things, and so, like both my friend Jeremy and my recruiter just sit there and don't say a word. <laughs> yeah. So I sat there. And so he's going through all the jobs. People are like, oh, like I'm really good at like leading people, and they're like, okay, you can be an element leader or the dorm chief or whatever. And I'm just sitting there like, hmm, like whatever, okay. And he's like, well, hey, you, since you are real fucking stupid and you're not good at anything, just go stand in this room and hand people cleaner. So my whole job and all the basic training was, like, the supply closet. So people would be like, can I get the Windex? And I'd be like, whoop. (laughs) (laughs) Can I get the laundry soap? Whoop. (laughs) But that was it. So I had to go downstairs and, like, fill up the bottles of cleaner. And then my job was to, like, make sure that – the cleaners were full in the closet and I was like, this is the easiest shit ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always been grateful like that. I got that advice because even though I am naturally like drawn to those have control over situations. Um, I was glad that I got to kind of fly under the radar and basic training and not really. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that I didn't get to is I was really good um, at breaking the M16 down and putting it back together. Like yeah. I could break the entire thing down and have it back together or I could put the entire thing together in like 18 seconds. Like I was fast at putting it back together. And so we would have competitions in the, in the dorms, like who can take the gun all the way apart and put it back together the fastest. Um, but there was a different country because on Lackland there is the international school. So you have people from different countries that come there to go through training. Um, and there was people from Nigeria that came and they wanted to come see our basic training. So I had to go down in front of like all these Nigerian people. Um, and they were like, I don't know, princes or something. They were like super, they're like, don't look at them in the eyes. We had like all this stuff, like keep your head down, all the things. And all we had to do was stand there and like break down the M16 and then put it back together. And I got picked out of like all the, all the female flights in the MBMT at the time to go do it. And I was nice. like, hell Yeah. But besides that, all I did was send out one
0: <laughs> I lucked out because as a guide on bearer, when it came time to set up the dorm.
1: You just got to leave every time and go Yeah, do and they said,
0: thing? your job is to go practice with the guide on and get better. Yeah. Like, okay. So get up, get dressed, make my bed, uh, make my bunkmate's bed, uh, clean our area, and then we bounced. <laughs> we'd go downstairs and we'd practice uh, with the guide on.
1: Was he the backup guide on? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it worked out for us. Um, yeah. So basic training, so it was everything I, I I wanted in the military. Right, right off the bat, everything after that was kind of. I've I've never really. I've, so I have. But after basic training, it went into regular Air Force. So you're not really, job. yeah. Um, especially being in the intel world, where it tends to be more like your day your regular nine to five office job. And uh, although you do some cool shit, a lot of the time that's what it feels like. Uh, I, and I mean, you even get stuck in, in little cubicles or small offices. And and we always work in buildings with no fucking windows. So <laughs> get used to the artificial light. Yeah, um,
1: that, that was hard for me. It's just not being able to see outside or go outside without it being a whole process. Yeah. Like, badging in and out of the building making sure that everything's yeah it's just that was frustrating for me
0: yeah so going to tech school right right after basic training it was like night and day because basic training was like hey this introduction to military and standards and and it it's rigid and you know you it's what you think the military is going into to your job training and it just where you still march around uh to and from class you're still wearing your uniform you're still saluting officers um but when you get into the job it's just like this just feels like a regular job (laughs) like if i'm working in an office uh which sucked for me because i'm more on the active side like i'd rather be working on my hands um
1: Working with your hands, yeah, working with my hands,
0: <laughs> uh, rather than just like sitting somewhere and, and typing or or whatever it is you're doing on the computer or with paperwork, and that was one of the reasons the army appealed to me. That and like I was gonna get the chance to fight, which is all I wanted back then, but I'm glad that didn't happen because I probably wouldn't be alive today. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that would ha- would have happened, um, but I got through it finished my training back then, the job that I was in, so doing OPSEC, uh, and OPSEC is operation security, operation security, mm-hmm. um, and it's just making sure you're mitigating, I don't even know how to explain it.
1: So what uh, the job I talked about earlier, where yeah. you're like just keeping the Air Force from hurting themselves from within.
0: Yeah, you're trying to keep a low pro- profile, so you're not letting everybody else know exactly uh, what we're doing, um, as far as Air Force and military goes, um, but our training was only six weeks, so I wasn't. I was there, graduated, went to my first duty station in San Antonio, at Brook City Base, which it was great. It was up and down, um, but my first duty station was awesome. Met a lot of cool people. Camaraderie was the best at my first duty station, uh, so. When you go to your first duty station, if you're not married, you move into, uh, we call them the dorms uh, in the Army. It's the barracks, um, and it's co- it's just like living in a college dorm, um, and everybody just partied all the time. And when you wanted something to do, you just walk around the dorm. Somebody had the door open, and you go hang out with them, and that's just the way it was. Uh, I was lucky that I turned 21 when I was in training, so I didn't have to worry about uh, drinking underage or anything like that. Um, the job absolutely sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it absolutely sucked. It was boring. I hated it. Um, but the people there at that unit were freaking awesome. I also, I got in trouble a few times there. Uh, and because I had awesome leadership, except for one guy. One guy tried to get me kicked out, but everybody else stood up for me. And uh, they helped me out. And because of them, I still have my career today. Uh, So that whole thing with uh, it's a one mistake uh, Air Force, that wasn't true back then. Even sometimes it's not true today, but they hooked me up. Uh, And I got a deploy. That's where I got my deployment out of uh, in 2009. So that's when I deployed to Iraq, which was a lot of fun. That was great because I got out of the office gig. Um, yeah, but you
1: were with the Army.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would, yeah. so I was attached to the Army. Um, back then, our unit was getting a lot of, of, of deployment taskings not to do the regular job that we do. Um, we went in support of the Army, the Marines, the Navy, anybody that needed intel support, they threw us in there. Um, so everybody was seeing uh, all sorts of deployments. And I finally got to see one in 2009 and I went to Iraq and I was rolling with the army. Luckily, like nothing ever bad happened. I never saw any combat, which, um, I'm glad now, but back then it kind of sucked. And then it like, it's a shot at your pride. And, and because, you know, that's like the ultimate test, right? That like, what people talk about, like how do you perform under fire and this and that. And, and I wanted that, um, but I'm glad it never happened because so much could have happened. i could have died uh I could have been you know uh what do they call it like disabled yeah. um there's all the the t b i shit that happens um so luckily mine was was smooth there was a lot of scares, not a lot, but there was plenty of scares um but but I came out clean. So after I came back from my deployment, then that's when I went to Las Vegas working at Creech, which was great. Las Vegas was great. Um, That was my first time ever being there was when I was stationed there. So the strip, I became very familiar with the strip. Um, But then once we got together, we kind of calmed down from the strip. Well, I did calm down from the strip, and we were just hanging out locally.
1: Yeah, I think – the. The thing with Las Vegas, and I don't think you really, like, get it until you've been there, is I think that once you live in a certain place, it loses its touristy appeal. Yeah. So I never got to experience Las Vegas as, like, a full-blown tourist. Like, I lived there, so I kind of knew, like, we kind of learned the things we like to do. We learned where we like to go, what places we like, what places we didn't like, which casinos we like, which casinos we didn't like. Um, so I never got to go and just be like, Oh, what's this place? Let's check it out. Um, because we lived there. So we had that. Um, and I think that's kind of my, my drawback to a lot of places in yeah. the air force, like a lot of bases. I would love to go to Hawaii, but I feel like if I got stationed there and had to live there, it would lose its appeal. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what Las Vegas was for me.
0: That's what happened in San Antonio. The first few months I was there, we were always on the Riverwalk, always, and uh, it's so just expensive. Lost, yeah, it's expensive. It lost its appeal. You just like I'm sick of the Riverwalk now. I will avoid the Riverwalk at all costs. Um, I, I hate that place <laughs> <laughs> because it's where all the tourists go, which is cool. It's cool if you visit there, there once or twice. But when you were there every weekend and throughout the week, too, it just it's draining. And that's what happened with the Strip. Like we were there all the freaking time so after a while it's like the only time we went there was when people visited and they want to see vegas well let's go there Mm -hmm. one of the other reasons i love vegas was uh it was kind of like el paso but flashier and fancier with a lot more to do
1: the only thing that i miss about las vegas is everything's always open yeah so las vegas like never shuts down. well like pre-COVID Las yeah, Vegas yeah. never shut down. So like if it was three o'clock in the morning and you wanted like anything, you could just go get it. Um, and that goes into our schedule. So, you know, it is sometimes that nine to five job, but when we were in Las Vegas, we worked six days on two days off 365. So um, sometimes our weekend would be like a Monday and a Tuesday. Yeah. And depending what shift we were on, we could get off work at like eight o'clock in the morning. So it by the time we got home, we changed, we would go out at like 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> Yeah, and that would be like, we would go out and drink and go to the casinos and it'd be like 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And we're like, people would look at us like we were crazy or people would still be up partying from the night before. <laughs> yeah. But it just, it never shut down. So I don't miss like the life that we lived when we were there, when we were, young and didn't have the kids with us all the time. But, um, I do miss just the convenience of everything in Vegas. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. Everything was close by. Yeah. Um, yeah, you could get to anything and the restaurants, so many restaurants to choose from, which was great. Good restaurants. Um, Yeah. And, uh, which was, what was weird to me at the beginning, I kind of got used to and I, and I liked, uh, Everything that you usually do, like in any other city, you go to its own different location. In Vegas, they're all in casinos. Yeah. So, like, if you want to go to the movies, you're going to a casino because the movie theaters are in the casino. Some of the good restaurants, you're going to a casino. Uh, some of the the, the bars and, and the nightclubs, they're in the casino. Yeah. So, it's, it's just kind of weird. Some of the, the best stores are... In the casino. Like
1: the malls would be in casinos. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it definitely had its, its ups and downs. I don't know, like maybe years, like if years pass, then we go back and just try to do it again as old people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe.
1: But you know, the thing that like really frustrated me and we're like on a Las Vegas tangent, that's fine, is we would be out, like, say we worked days, which was a rare occasion that we actually got to be on a day shift, and we would work 7.30 to 4.30, um, and then we would go out on our weekends, and we'd be out at, like, 1 or 2 in the morning, and people would have their kids down on the strip, like, in <laughs> yeah. strollers, just passed out, or um, it'd be super early in the morning, and they'd have their kids, like, out walking around, and I'm like, bro, this Bellagio water show is going to happen every 15 minutes for the rest of the day. Like, yeah. go do something. Go back to bed. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh,
0: yeah. Las Vegas is definitely it's uh, well, the Strip for sure is is a grown up place. Yeah, like there might be a handful of kids attractions, but it's no place for a kid to be. No, um, nowhere on the Strip. It's like if you've never been to Vegas, right outside the Strip. Like in you step off the Strip, you're in the fucking hood, yes. and you know a lot of a lot of the homeless people, a lot of. Um, the people that are high on drugs, they're in the strip, like walking up and down those alleyways and and alongside the strip like there. It's common. And then mm-hmm. people trying to sell you drugs is happening all along the strip. Um, so it's not a nice place to be. And if you're taking your kids around there, it's I don't know. I, I wouldn't take the kids there.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we have taken the kids to the strip to do Certain things like like we're gonna go to the movies, you have to go to a casino to do that, or we're going to take the kids to see a show or whatever the case may be, there are certain things that we would take the kids to do on the strip, but we wouldn't go be like let's go hang out on the strip and drink and push the kids around in strollers, yeah, no, nah, like nah. those are different. The only th- thing we
0: took them there was to see the water show the yeah. the Bellagio one. Um, I think we ate dinner and then bounced.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like we would go to restaurants on the strip and we would take the kids with us and we went to see the water show. And we would take the kids, but it's like, there are people who go on vacation to Las Vegas yeah. and they just walk the strip from like morning until night, just drinking all day. And they're like pushing their kids around in a stroller. You,
0: you see some crazy shit on the strip. Uh, yeah. yeah a lot of it from tourists fights are extremely common. <laughs> yes. That's nuts. And people walk barefoot on the strip. That's weird. That's so gross. Yeah.
1: And like, I was thinking about this a while back, but I used to wear high heels like all every time we would go out on the strip and I would walk around in high heels for hours and my feet would be fine. And now I wear them for like 10 minutes and I'm like, this is bullshit. (laughs) Like, Take (laughs) these shoes off. (laughs) Um, But I, I did. I can honestly say like living there for five years, I never went out and we went out a lot when we lived there. Um, I never went out and ended up barefoot on the strip. Not once, not never that I would tell people all the time. I'll be like, girl, put your shoes on your feet. (laughs) Like, but yeah, it was.
0: Before I moved to Vegas, like all I thought Vegas was, was a strip Mm -hmm. and maybe like a few places to live right around there. But I never thought it was such a big city like it is. Well, it's not, it's not humongous, but there's a lot within a small radius yeah What? whatever i
1: would say it's it's a big city and, well i mean
0: yeah there's there's a lot of people and there's a lot there but i mean when you drive across the city it doesn't take too long to get across no. the city um so that's what i mean like geographically it's not big yeah um but there's so much to do um outside of the strip and i didn't know that about vegas until i actually moved there yeah um so all uh, everything outside of the strip uh, whether it's uh like ice skating like the shit that we did but then you go outside of vegas like um, right near it you had mount charleston which is a totally different world that's only like 45 minutes away yeah but i mean that's where we went um, snowboarding and it's crazy to think like in the desert you drive 45 minutes and you'll be able to snowboard yeah That like that's nuts um L.A. wasn't too far. We went there. I hate L.A., but, I mean, going there it's is like a tourist. like three and a half hours. Yeah, going there is a tourist. is cool. Red Rock, we went hiking there. Yeah, and that was that, That's awesome. Um, then you have Hoover Dam, which is, it's impressive, but, man, that tour is you boring. Me hey, shit. to
1: go across that bridge.
0: Yeah. Um But yeah, so back to the military thing. So that's, I went there right after my first duty station in San Antonio. And then from there we we went, well, we met, we got married. We moved back to San Antonio and I went back to basic training as an instructor. So I had the cool hat um, and I was yelling at all the new trainees, which is probably the best job I've had in the Air Force so far. And that was the first one. I was just working all the damn time, as you know, like a standard day, um, was from 3.30. So I woke up at 3.30, got to work no later than 4.30, got home. Um, if it was the early weeks of training, I got home around 11 at night in the later weeks of training. I got home. The earliest I would get home was maybe seven thirty, eight at night. Yeah. Um, yeah. I
1: mean it like if you just go back to how it was when you were in basic, you know, like you just don't get enough sleep because you're there, you're going to bed late, you're waking up early. So the person who is putting you through that training ultimately has a longer day because they have to be there and ready to go when you're barely opening your eyes and yeah. they can't leave until you're going to bed and Yeah. Yeah, that was but those were some rough years.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was tough uh, on family life, but as far as job satisfaction, I I fucking loved it. Having to deal with the people there sucked because some of them were complete assholes and then some of them were just out to get you. But I I met some cool people um, uh, out of there. Uh, Like, we have have a common friend, Lyles. Lyles, if you ever listen to this, I'm getting you on the podcast, man. Uh, Like, he was the first, like, actual friend that I met there in, in BMT as an instructor. But uh, yeah, I was working crazy hours, but it was what I wanted because it, it was like back to the military in the Air Force. The only time that I've really felt like this is what the military does was my introduction. So, basic training when I when I first got there, and then when I deployed to Iraq uh, and the training leading up to that deployment, and then going back to basic training as an instructor, those are the times when I was like, man, this is the military. Like, we're getting after it. We're doing good shit. Like, this is stuff that I can say. Like, it's stuff to brag about. Yeah. Like, that's – uh, those are the three times when I was like, man, I'm a military man.
1: But I think civilians think the same thing. Like, when they think of the military, those are the only things that they have yeah. in their brain. There's not, like, the – the day to day where you're just going to job and you're like cleaning gym equipment and you're cooking food <laughs> yeah. and you're, um, yeah. Cause we have all sorts of jobs, right? Like, it's not just Intel. Yeah. You have people that, that work in
0: offices that are doing finance. You have people that are strictly doing admin work for all your records in the military,
1: all medical jobs that you can do on the outside. You can do in yeah. the military
0: services and the medical people. It's weird. I've talked to some and they have to go to work in their uniform, so their Air Force uniform. And once they get to work at the hospital or they clinic, they have to change into scrubs. Mm-hmm. And then, when they get off of work, they change out of those scrubs back into their uniform, and then they go home, which sucks. But yeah, they they do it for a reason. I can't remember what it is.
1: Because their their scrubs have to like go through a special like cleaning process.
0: So just. Yeah, sanitize.
1: Yeah, it's like a biohazard thing.
0: Yeah. And then, then you have your other job services. So they're more, they kind of branch out into.
1: So they like, they do defects or like our dining facilities. So they cook, they work at the gym, they work at the hotels on base. Yeah. They're like just your standard like housekeeping really yeah. Uh, type of job. Yeah. uh,
0: And then you have all your people that work on aircraft uh, and some of them. So you have the maintainers, uh, they work on different aircraft all over the air force. Uh then you have people like Walsh he was age, so I don't know,
1: we could never go through all the jobs yeah, in the air force.
0: But I mean it's it breaks out into into so many different jobs that uh at times it doesn't feel like the military it just feels like you're going to a job. Yeah. Um the only thing at some days that'll separate it that knows you're in the military is your uniform, right? Yeah. Uh but, yeah, that's it's all the support role. Um,
1: Sorry, I didn't mean to go on a tangent. You were talking no, about no, when you, fine. like, those were the times you felt like you were really in the military.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so those three times, being an instructor, being in basic training, and then deployment. I was like, man, this is what the military is. Everything else is just kind of like the buildup. But it's the, mm-hmm. it's the boring part to the, do the, the mundane stuff that you do every day. Uh and it it sucks at times, and every once in a while you'll 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 get that job satisfaction. Like what we're doing now is great, 'cause we're teaching, so we're actively doing something day to day, and uh, you're interacting with people, and then you'll you'll see it with them that when they learn, they're like, when they get it, that's like the part that mm-hmm. that's the that's the job satisfaction part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh, so after Lackland. And we went to Herbert Field, and I wasn't working special operations. I was working some. Uh, it was another office job. It did get some cool TDYs out of it. So the like the business trips got to visit Germany, which was freaking awesome. Like Germany is beautiful. Uh, I would retire in Germany. Yeah, yeah, it's.
1: But you didn't like the food.
0: Yeah, the food. German food is horrible. But everything else was great, yeah. Because we were in a small little town too, so I don't know. I, I didn't visit much of Germany. I saw a few places, but the small little town that that we were in, uh, it just it just felt nice, and you could walk around, and it, it was great. Um, and then after that, now we're here at Goodfellow. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah uh, there. I don't know. People get really spun up about coming to goodfellow but i really like it here um i think it's like with every job it's gonna have its ups and downs so there are people who i really could do without at work like (laughs) and that's in any
0: job but yeah yeah. that's
1: in any job but the thing about the military is like in a few years they're gonna be gone or you're gonna be gone so it isn't like a career that you're building in the civilian world where it's like, okay, for the next 20 years, I have to deal with this guy. It's like, Nope. Two years max, like get out of my face. Right. Um, so well, I guess four years max, if you guys got there at the same time, but um, that's one thing that I really enjoy about the military is you get a move and meet so many people yeah. like the moving sucks. Now that the kids are getting older and they want to like settle down, but that's another good thing about like both of us is I joined the military so young. Um, I'll retire like if I retire right at twenty years, I'll retire when I'm thirty-seven, like mm-hmm. thirty-eight if I wait a couple days. Um, so before I'm forty, I'll have a whole career with retirement under my belt, and yeah, and I'll I'm be, down for that.
0: I'll be forty, turning forty-one yeah. uh, when my when I'm up for retirement.
1: And yeah, it's, it's just like, so young to think and now that we're there, so whew, I'm like, just had my birthday turned 31. But we don't talk about that. Um, but I'm, we're over the hump, right? So we're over halfway there, the lights at the end of the tunnel. And it's just, is this what I want to keep doing after I hit that 20 mark? Or do I want to get out and and settle down and put roots somewhere and i think we're kind of unsure <laughs> of where we're going to go with that yeah. i mean for me i'm not unsure i'm retiring at 20 no matter what um i just i love the military and i love everything that it's done for me as a person and for us as a family but um i've i've hit the marks that yeah. i wanted to hit like making making the next rank making master sergeant becoming a senior nco like that's a personal goal of mine. But if I don't make it, um, I'm okay with where I'm at. Just, just calling it a day and hanging up my 20 years. Yeah. And being done with it.
0: I've thought about it like life after the military. Um, and it, it would be strange because in reality, all I know in my adult life is the military. Cause mm-hmm. I joined at 20 years old. I did two years or a year and a half after high school graduation, where I was on my own and trying to see where I was going. And when I finally found the air force, that's all I've ever known. Yeah. So leaving it after 20 years, is going to be the more I think about it, the more it, it makes me nervous.
1: Yeah. Like I get nervous thinking about it, but I just think the military, I don't think it sets you up to go back to being a civilian, but I think it sets you up to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. So where you get to a point where you're like, okay, like I'm at a loss right now, but I have the skills in place to like figure out what the next step is. Um, so yeah, then we get into the conversation of like, where are we going to retire? Like, where are we going to like settle down and call home? You know? Yeah. Um, and i don't think we've like fully hashed that out yet either.
0: Yeah, i think i think we're just going to play it by ear. I mean, we have a plan, but it's it's subject to change at any time. And that i that's one thing about the military, you you never know um it's not perfect. Uh the military, the air force, they do try to do their part for for what's best for for the person. Like, for me or you, what's best for us? They take that into consideration, but they're not always going to be able to do that. So, like, with with Marla, like, her and her husband were geographically separated when they were married for a year or two. Mm -hmm. And that's just because that's how their assignments worked out. And eventually they came back together when they're here at Goodfellow.
1: So, we got lucky because... We have the same job. So every place that I can go, you can go. Yeah. But not all couples are that lucky. So a lot of people meet in the military. Um, they meet their spouse who's another military member. But just because I can go to a base with the job that I have doesn't mean that somebody else with a different job can go to that base. So like let's say you do maintenance on F-16s, like on fighter jets. And my job is, I don't know, Supply um well no supplies everywhere but say my job is like air traffic control or something like where where you can go there may not be a spot for me at that base so they try to get you as close as possible but it doesn't always work out that way so we've gotten lucky because we have the same job so anywhere that i can go you can go and vice versa um but there are a lot of couples who don't have that so
0: yeah we've gotten really lucky and then there's always Deployments and, and short tours. A short tour is where you go um, on your own. Yeah, a year. for a year, 365 days uh, without your family. So they
1: that, they sprinkle in a little two weeks at six months to make you feel yeah feel better about yourself. But that's about it. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's not easy uh, being in the military. So that there's always that, uh, but it does get um, at time just monotonous and uh it, it just it turns into it a, turns into a nine to five yeah. uh, but when you get hit with those deployments or those training taskings or and, and stuff like that or when it comes time to to pcs or, or move to a, a new assignment, and you're you get into different training like it goes back to like this is the military this is this is what i know
1: uh, yeah and you i don't know like I don't like to get into the struggles too much of the military, but what people don't see is like when something happens, you can just call on your family to be there for you. And we don't have that in the military. Yeah. So when, when like no joke, the shit's hitting the fan and you need support, I would say like 90% of the time you're not going to have that support. Yeah. Because the only support you have are other people who are in the military (laughs) and they can't stop doing their job to help you Yeah. just like, you can't stop doing your job, but you need help. Um, and so that's hard, especially. So when I went to Afghanistan, you had to go TDY to Germany. Mm-hmm. So there was a period of about what, six weeks where we both weren't there. Yeah. Um, and so we were kind of hands tied. We ended up like my mom came down and kept the kids, which was such a blessing, but, um, like Murphy's law right so I deploy and then you get TDY so my mom's there watching the kids and then while she's there watching the kids Braylon broke her arm and had to go into like extensive surgery to get like rods and pins put in her arm and both of us were gone Uh, so you're always going to run into those like one-off situations where you're like man it would be so much easier if I was just at home where my whole family support was there and then you get in situations where you're like, mm, I will never move back here. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. And it's just, it's I don't know. I think I'm really thankful that I got put in a position um, where I figured out life on my own without the overbearingness of, like, having family. Because when I go home to visit and, like, my sister doesn't answer her phone and then my parents are like, well, I'm just going to show up at her house pump the brakes you better never just show up at my house (laughs) like that's not a thing but yeah um i think i don't know i've just i mean it's been 13 years that i've that we've kind of just been on our own like only relying on each other so you just get into a group but there are definitely things that you miss out on and that you lose out on being in the military
0: yeah it sucks like we're we're away from family all all the time uh, aside from the times that we go visit which is once maybe twice a year uh if that um but yeah like having that support system from your family not having that wherever we go kind of sucks but we find our own we found our own yeah. support system through through friends and and uh even coworkers and and the air force uh they help a lot right yeah. it's not going to be personal but uh they do what they can to help um so, we have found ours it although it's not it's not always the best we've we've had a lot of good people around us, which we've got lucky with in in every place that we've been um,
1: yeah, I would say here, like this time at this base um our our support group is probably the strongest it's ever been yeah um and that's just friends and neighbors and coworkers and people we go to church with and um We just have such a strong support group here Um, because normally like you go to a new place and you don't know anywhere, you don't know anyone and it's like, okay, well, who's going to be your emergency contact on your kid's school paper? And you're like, I literally know zero people. Like I just got here yesterday. I don't have an emergency contact that's local right now. Um, But here it's like, we have just so many people who are willing to help with the kids and willing to be there to support us and are like having accomplishments with us. And um, like just the other day, so we became really good friends with the majority of our neighbors. And just the other day it was my birthday and like all the little neighborhood kids were in quarantine, so we couldn't hang out, but all the little neighborhood kids and the neighbors and stuff brought little balloons and like stuck them in the yard and they all stood in the front yard and sang happy birthday. It was cute. Yeah. Um, But we've just, We've had support groups, but I don't think it's ever been as strong or as yeah. big as it as it is here and where what we've built. I would say.
0: Yep. Yeah, I still I still miss out on some of the stuff back home. Like when we see family posting pictures, and you're like the only one missing. Yeah. It, it kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Uh. You you do what you can. I mean, we still go visit, and. Um. What and this, so I'll mention this when people go when military members go visit back home, um, and you want to see them, whether they're family, friends, or whatever, make the effort to try to get to them, don't make them go all around. Because when military members go back home or to wherever it is that they're visiting, you're probably not the only person that that you're gonna, that they're going to see right yeah. so we always have this issue every time we go back home to el paso or to tennessee everybody for whatever reason cuz they they're living their day-to-day lives so nothing changes for them it's just that we came into town but it's always well you come visit me over here like come to my house come here come see
1: me or it, and it's not like we just traveled across the whole country to get to that <laughs> <yeah>. place <laughs> Um, or that we have all of our kids with the, yeah. with us or whatever it is. It's like, like it, we're inconveniencing them by having them come to see yeah.
0: us. I, mean, some people do are good about it, but it's rare where you'd be like, well, you know, I'll go to you. Where you at? Let me go. Yeah. Uh, and then Chewy always does it. And I think cause he knows, Yeah, yeah he he, lived he, life. he was in the Navy. So, and, uh, but he's like, Hey, where are you at? I'll, I'll go with you. Hey, you want to meet up for lunch? Let's meet up for lunch. Yeah. Uh, is, uh, so yeah, just that's just something to put out there. If you didn't know or weren't weren't aware of it, like it's uh that's a struggle when military members go visit uh back home or wherever it is they're going. It it's hard to get to everybody and it's it usually turns out just to be stressful. Um you don't, not even military members alone. Just like there's anything. people that leave their hometown and when they come back it's the same thing.
1: I would say one of the biggest struggles for us um is that both of our sets of parents are divorced. Yeah. So it's not like we can go visit family. It's we're visiting two separate families. Yeah. So when we go to Tennessee, I've gotten pretty good at saying like, "Hey, I will go to my mom's house on one day. I will go to my dad's house on one day, and every other day you can come see me." Like if yeah. I'm there for 7 days, I will go to your house one day. I will go to your house one day. And every other day, I will be at my brother's house. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: but that one's harder because in Tennessee, so the small town that you're from. Uh, everything's She said just it earlier. Far. Smithville, Tennessee. Look it up. There's nothing there. <laughs> you blink, you miss it. But uh, yeah, so all your family members live uh, very far apart.
1: So it's geographically close, but there's a lake in the middle. So if you look at it on a map, it doesn't look far away from each other, but there's a gigantic lake in the middle. So everywhere you have to go, you have to go all the way around the lake. So, um, like my mom lives in Sparta, Tennessee. My dad lives in Smithville and Shane lives like in the sticks, but, um, we normally stay with my brother. Um, and it's just far to get to everywhere. But in the same token, it's just like a neutral place and we can just go there and be relaxed. And that's when we go home, like even though we're visiting with all, like everybody, like for us, it's vacation. Like we just want to go and be relaxed and have time off and we don't want to be stressed out constantly and like trying to fit everyone into a schedule. It's like. I just want to sleep in until 10 o'clock every day and like let you guys shoot guns off the porch Hell and yeah. like just hang out and catch up. And it's like, go here, go see this person, go there, go there. Like, bring me the kids. I want to do this. And it's like, ah, I want to be on vacation. <laughs> so I think that's a, we struggle with that.
0: Yeah. It, it's not easy for sure. Uh, I know uh, both sides of our family get upset. It's like, well, why are you going to Tennessee this time? You yeah. like you went last year. Or why are you why are you going to El Paso this time? You you went last year. Whatever. Nobody's ever satisfied.
1: Yeah. But. Yeah, and I don't know, that's one of the things that just I won't say it frustrates me, but it's like we do all these things, we so just in a standard like us traveling. It's like, okay, who can where can we board the dogs? Who can come over and feed the cat? Yeah. Are we going to have all four kids that weekend? Is it a holiday where the older kids are going to be with their others? Um, let's buy six round trip plane tickets. Let's get a rental car. Let's pack all of our bags. Let's board the dogs. Turn off everything in the house travel to the airport, fly across all these places. And then people are like, why don't you come visit more? And we're like, mm, last time I checked, there's <laughs> one of you. And it's a whole damn process yeah, to get easy. us there for three days. Yeah. Um. And a lot of the times we drive, right? So it's like, well, why don't you come more? And it's like, okay, well, there's six people and two dogs traveling for 15 hours in a car. So mm-hmm. mm, about once a year is plenty good for us. <laughs>
0: And let me point out that we're doing all that traveling to go see family and friends. Well, we could easily just as go or just as easily go to some sweet vacation spot for just purely vacation, not visiting anybody. But I mean, we do it to see family and friends and so the kids can see family and friends and so everybody else can see the kids and, and us. Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: yeah I think since when we lived in Florida, it was really hard uh for your family because that's really far to travel um It was easier for my family, but they really just used us as a free hotel to go to the beach <laughs> um and then when we lived in San Antonio, we really didn't get any any family or friends to come visit unless they were coming to San Antonio for something different. And then it was like, oh shit, we forgot you guys lived here. What's up? Do you want to do lunch? Um, but it was very rare that somebody came and was like, hey, we're literally just coming here to visit you. Yeah. Um, and then here, probably, this is the first time that we have had visitors from both sides of the family literally just come to visit. Yeah.
0: Cause there, um, there's nothing to see in San Angelo. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's out of the way of going anywhere else. So it's not like, Hey, we're on the way here, so we'll stop in San Angelo now. Yeah. San Angelo's completely out of the way, so mm-hmm. but a little bit closer. But I think uh, we can we can stop our rants. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of went everywhere in every direction uh, yeah. with our military lives in this one, but it was cool. It was it, mm-hmm. I think it was a, a good. It toss. answers
1: a lot of the questions that people have that we never really like get around to.
0: Yeah, hopefully to talking about. Um, or at least they're hearing our thoughts on it, whether yeah. they accept it as like, that's the way it is or, or not, whatever, that's up to them. But that's, uh, yeah, that's our two cents on, on our military life and a little bit of on our background. And uh, there's a lot more stories that go into there because yes. this military life has been fucking crazy. Some of it's been a shit show. Uh, a lot of it has been great, though. But yeah, and, and we'll get some more stories in there. Yeah, cuz we got a whole lot of podcasts to do.
1: Yeah, there it's definitely um it's definitely been good to us. It's been good to our family. It's
0: yeah. yeah In it's, the grand scheme of things, it's the best decisions we've ever made. Yes. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, we'll we'll stop it there. Um if you're enjoying the podcast, Uh, and you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, drop down to the bottom. Give us a five-star review. Uh, We would really appreciate it. Uh, Hit us up on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. Uh, Let us know what you think. Drop a comment. uh, Like the page. View the videos. Just whatever it is, hit us up. And uh, I think that's it.
1: Peace out, Cub Scout.
0: Peace out, Cub Scout. All right, we'll see y'all next week. Thanks for listening. Later.